Welcome to the Fan Freaks Podcast number 128. You're listening to the show where we freak out about our favorite movies, games, comics, and any media in between. This is George, the Boon King speaking, and I'm joined by my good pal, Leisurely Vinny. Vinny, thank you so much for coming on again, dude. It's really good to be here. I'm so excited. It's been oh. way too long. Dude, seriously, it has. And now that we don't have the dude or Dr. Rude getting in the way, I could finally have a one-on-one with my broski here. Oh yeah, I feel like it's honestly one of those best DLC characters in this podcast. <laughs> Bro, he comes in the game already. He's one of the unlockable characters. That's how you know he's good. He's no DLC. Oh, yeah. He's not a season pass bullshit. And I come pre-planned with Pre- ideas. <laughs> he has a whole you bonus <laughs> mode. He, it's, he's got a whole thing. Anyway, before we get off track, today's <laughs> show is going to be an all-stars on best concept albums. So my good pal Vinny here, we were ta- thinking about ideas for an episode, and I was like, oh man, I w- we know so many different like franchises and stuff, which one are we going to use? And then Vinny's like, I- what if we just talk about music? And I'm <laughs> like, we could do that? <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, because I don't know why you always forget that I... That's like 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 a third of my character. It's just music history, rock and roll history. You know so much about fucking like actually the the drama and actual personal lives it's of so, some of these it's, artists. It's, it's like, so interesting. It's so it, it's and I've expanded from musicians to like filmmakers now, like David Lynch and Dan O'Bannon. But just the idea of these crazy characters that just were out in the world in this short time period. And it's just, it's, it's fascinating. Well, cause I usually, all right, not to throw shade at anyone or whatever, but like, I usually act like, why would you care about a, a celebrity's life like that? But like back in that time period, the one that you're specifically interested in, like the late seventies and early seventies, uh, late sixties, early seventies, late sixties, early seventies, that they did some fucking crazy shit. Oh yeah, like, it's I just don't know. interesting. Like, and there's and they're still alive to this day, just like not caring at all, living with re- nice retired lives and like farms and just hanging out. <laughs> well, uh, for for today's episode though, we're actually going to be focusing on concept albums, and basically, concept albums are like it's a really simple concept. <laughs> where basically it's just you make an album based around a certain idea or maybe the the tracks have a certain theme or maybe there's some sort of musical element so today is going to be a very musically focused episode and i'm so freaking excited but Me before too. we can get into any of that we gotta go through our recents so Vinny, what have you been recently doing my dude Recently, I've been watching a, a lot of movies. Uh, as you know, I'm a big fan of just binge watching like a specific filmmaker, as you and I have done. Oh with yeah, David Lynch. Oh, I know personally. Jo- <laughs> like you know me. Like I like I like, I will sit in front of a TV, watch like thousands of movies a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been really uh, watching stuff uh, created by Dan O'Bannon. If you uh, he uh, wrote this screen and screenplay and story for Alien and Total Recall. He also directed Return of the Living Dead. He was the visual effects supervisor for the original Star Wars. Jesus Christ. Uh, and he was a big part of the uh, Jodorowsky's Dune. You, really? Oh, yeah. This guy This guy was... Uh, I mean, we're going to talk about music. That's why we're here. I mean, there's there's some... like I wouldn't say the original Dune is a... I don't personally think it's a super... I don't like it so much, but if oh, there was no. something good about it, it's definitely it's, the way it, it looks. It's, it's not. It, oh, it's not that. It's not the David Lynch Dune. That's not the one I'm mentioning. Oh, previously there was going to be a, a different uh, film adaptation of Dune in the 1970s. David Lynch one was in the 1980s. Oh, this was going to be in the 1970s, and it was a whole different debacle because <laughs> it was going to be directed by the guy named Alejandro Jodorowsky. Oh, who, I know him. He did the Holy Mountain. Yeah, 
And yeah. uh, it was going to have like Orson Welles in it as the emperor. It's going to have Dan O'Bannon as the visual effects. H.R. Geiger did the art. Uh, it's It had Mick Jagger as uh, 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 Duncan Idaho. Duncan Idaho. He's the one who rides the worm, yes? It's, it's, no, that's Moa. That's Jason Momoa. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Either way, uh, I, bro, this is exactly why. Like, I, I don't remember any of this. I thought it was only just that one David Lynch film. Oh, no. Uh, there's, it's, it, uh, this could be a different show, but we'll go all out on science fiction films later. All right. Was there anything else you recently did? Uh, I, so, yeah, the last movie I watched was uh, Return, of the, the, the Return of the Living Dead. Oh, right, right, because you were going through Dude, your, Dan your films. entire set list Which as is you basically do. like a zombie movie, but uh, with a punk rock flavor to it. No, I've, I've actually seen this on Red Letter Media. They talked about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was Jay and uh, the comic book artist. The guy who did <laughs> With like... Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah. Yes, correct. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, so I rewatched it. When I found out it was the guy that wrote Alien, I was like, Dan O'Bannon's the man. Like, this guy's rocks. Dude, and you know what? I, I really appreciate that. Like, I hope to do those kind of things. I never feel like I'm able to watch movies in succession by, like, one director unless I'm with Vinny. Because, <laughs> like, that's the only time I get to do it. And that's what we did for David Lynch. And it was just such a fucking ride, right? Oh, like, man. It was, like, it was a roller coaster of, okay, what is a dream? What is real? Like, uh, what, what metaphor am I currently seeing who, on screen? Who, like, is, who is Kyle McLaughlin playing today? <laughs> Just charmed by Kyle so many times. And, no, charmed by Laura Dern, let's be honest. I'm Listen, I now have a crush on Laura Dern. Laura Dern is amazing. And, and my saddest thing, and I feel like such a dick, and I didn't even realize she was in Jurassic Park, by the way. You didn't know? No, I did what? not. And it took me until fucking that one character she played with the pink hair to realize who she was. Are you kidding me? I, I hate it. I when hate I was a kid, when I was a kid, I had a huge crush on her. She's so cool. She and was I, so like, cool in Jurassic Park. I wish I found these movies sooner, dude. Anyway, so uh, that's a cool set and list to go through. I hope we can finish our John Carpenter one. Oh, yeah. No, we got Assault on Precinct 13. I've been saving and that then, one for you. And then uh, Dark Star. Dark, oh, my God. That's true. So I've been saving Assault which, on Precinct for which you. Which Dark Star, uh, funny enough, was directed by John Carpenter. It was his uh, student film. But uh, it was uh, co-written, starred, and he also did the visual effects, Dan O'Bannon again. Oh, he started it. He started it, too. So you see this, like, science fiction hippie guy with a beard and long hair. He's just hanging out in a spaceship. And the Ouroboros takes effect. Oh, yeah. This... <laughs> the circle cycle continues. Oh, yeah, literally. Like, all these guys are just... I like how it's just a close-knit group of, like, just weirdos. Of, like, artists that literally, when they have the kind of, like... Uh, I guess environment oh, to yeah. actually be creative with each other in a non-competitive sense. Like, I'm not trying to get all hippie here, but I'm just saying. It I works. mean, I love it. I love the. I love the community. I love community. I love when everybody's working together. That's my thing, you know. No, absolutely. Uh, any other? Did you play any games or anything recently? Uh, uh well, Earthbound obviously was recently came out. Oh, for this. obviously, of obviously. Course. So, uh, you probably heard from previous shows that we talked about. I probably mentioned Earthbound a little too much. <laughs> uh, if you have a Switch. You have Switch Online, play Earthbound. Yeah, and I feel like now there's finally that kind of like... Oh, well, hold on. This is my question to you, though. As someone who knows Earthbound, how good are these ports? This is good. This is good. They play great. This is this, this is the uh, from the Super Nintendo Online service. Mm -hmm. And so far, I have no problems. And you can, there's save states, so you can save without worrying about going to call your dad on the phone. 
<laughs> it makes sense. You don't. You could do a whole "Don't call your dad" run. <laughs> that, seriously, the problem child run. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, especially someone who works a lot, it's just it's refreshing. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like I could. I like. I love Earthbound. It's one of my top three favorite games. And uh, Earthbound Beginnings. I'm gonna play that after. That's the NES prequel. And uh, yeah, that's 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 what I've been. Because I know, like, someone out there, no doubt, is gonna be like, "Oh, well, the fucking refresh rate is off, and the soundtrack." Because like, these are accurate complaints. I'm not trying to belittle them oh, at yeah, all. Oh yeah, no. But they're like, in terms of just a regular first timer, is it bearable enough to get through? Oh yeah. Okay. That, that yeah. I feel like that's. I, a, I, I've been hurt by HD collection, Vinny. Me too. So like, I need. I, I need I've been hurt too, and it's and I'm I'm already more than halfway through the game. You know. Uh, uh, I, I, I mean, I'm spoiler, spoiler. Uh, I'm in where it snows. So if you know where I am, I'm in where it snows. Antarctica. Antarctica. Uh, <laughs> I, I just love Earthbound. It's just just like Code Veronica. Cause it's just, it, it's, 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 it's a reference to ni- early 1990s America. Mm-hmm. Cause the whole thing is, it takes place in Eagle Land and it's references to Star Wars, Twin Peaks. Yeah, I didn't know about the Twin Peaks one until after I watched Twin Peaks and pl- replayed Earthbound again because I had the Super Nintendo Classic, you know, cartridge. Uh huh. And uh, when I noticed the bar in Forside is the same bar as the road, uh, the Roadhouse, Roadhouse, yeah, same layout. I, I thought there was another one too. There in is terms another of, like, one. Seeing the 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 what's it called, the Red Room. There is, there is another one, and uh, that's I think that's Mother Three though. <laughs> okay, we could have a whole episode about how uh, get, I want to fucking play a localized version of Mother Three. We all do. Uh, look, I, I know I'm not trying to throw any shade on the fan dub. It's amazing. I just want Mother Three to get the respect it deserves. That's oh, all. Yeah. That's all. That's as simple as that. Uh, uh, that uh, that's uh, that's what I've been playing. So what's uh, what, what have you been up to, buddy? All right, damn, that's a pretty good. Like I I've been dying to actually play Earthbound. You but I've to. never had it in a situation where it's like comfortable enough, and the switch is like perfect for that. Oh, it's it's now my perfect system. I have Kotar, Mega Man Three. I have Earthbound. I have literally everything I need, whatever in what mood I'm in. Bro, I have fucking uh, SNK Card Fighters. I w- I didn't think I was ever gonna get that. Like SNK versus Capcom Card Fighters, nobody wants that except me, and I got that for the Switch. So like, Switch has. I like the Switch now. It is definitely really good. Uh, I, I'm thinking about picking up Monster Rancher One and Two for the Switch. Fucking Advance Wars is coming. Like boy, like so many boy. good things. So like, many if, good things. If only the audience could see my head tilts when you said Advance Wars, I was like, oh yeah, my. Yeah, I know you and I are uh, big, big. Uh, I guess Sims for strategy. Oh, Has- hashtag Sims for strategy. God. Woo. Got it. Yes. <laughs> We're gonna trademark that. Don't you dare steal, Zuckerberg. You hear that, Robot Stone Age? We're on to you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. So my recents, actually, um, I got to watch another anime, which is something. Uh, okay. I because I, I recently talked on the show about finishing Paranoia Agent and how I just, dude, I, I've had a really good two weeks for finding media. Oh, like, dude. Because Parano- Paranoia Agent made me go, fuck, man, that was good. And I, I saw something new, and I genuinely, like, really liked it. And, like, it wasn't just like, a, oh, it was good or anything. Like, it had ideas, and it, it elated me in some sense. Not to sound too fucking fantastical. Yeah, no, I mean, I I've, uh, I've, I watched Paranoid Agent when it was dubbed for the uh, uh, Adult Swim. Uh-huh. So uh, I haven't watched it probably for the last, like, ten years. Probably around the same time I last watched uh, like Big O or like oh, uh, I Cry Ed, 
And uh, so I think after we, I mean, I, I know I should rewatch it because I remember did liking it. Uh, but I, I, I have to rewatch it. No, absolutely. Like I, I, I think it also wants you to rewatch it. Like it asks you to at the end as well. But anyway, I didn't see Paranoia Agent this this week. I finished it the other week. What I watched this week was Doro Hedoro. Wait, oh, do you know this one? I kind of want to give. Hold on, hold on, audience. I got to give him a chance to sort of. No, I don't. No. Oh fuck. Okay, it's the one with the lizard head guy. And it's like in a in a Mad Maxi kind of world where everything's fucked. Oh yeah. Okay, I, I remember seeing I, I remember seeing like images and like uh, clips. Yeah, I look and I okay. So I the, remember seeing that the idea behind this show. I'm still okay. I saw like the first two episodes, so I really don't have too much of a grasp. And to be honest, I actually try to go into things without looking up a trailer or reading a summary. I just want to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is kind of the opposite of what people listening to the show are doing. I'm sorry if I'm ruining that for you. No. But, like, here we go. So, it's basically this lizard head dude didn't always have a lizard head, and he wants to get his lizard head off. I mean, don't we all, to be yeah. honest? And so, what he needs to do is he needs to grab people, put them in his lizard head mouth, and there is a man inside him. Who is telling him, the person in his mouth, if they are the one. And then he takes the guy out of his mouth and says, what did the guy in my mouth say? And to be honest, (laughs) if I had a dime every time, to be honest. Uh, Anyways. (laughs) And then he's like, oh, he said you're not the one? I'll kill you then. And then that's it. And And he has a best friend who runs a restaurant. And and they're both in okay. So this was around this time where like I guess I don't know anything about the production history on why this happened, but this seemed to have happened, and I'm sure someone could explain it to me. Where a lot of anime started using 3D models, and I mean like, look, you can use 3D models. I'm not saying you can't, but it's really awkward in this show because the one like blonde-haired uh, like uh, supporting character that's I forgot I forgot her name, but she runs the restaurant, and fucking she's like entirely 3d almost all the time and it clashes with everything else in the environment oh that's jarring i don't know i i don't think it's all the all the time but it's enough times for me to go like why is she 3d here why is everyone else 2d except for her and maybe doro hidoro himself or whatever yeah chizo chizo i keep wanting to call him uh chorizo which is a fucking steak and i know that's not his name i'm sorry (laughs) to be honest in terms of storytelling I I appreciate the fact that it's not afraid to go an extra mile in terms of stakes. It gets really violent, to be honest. But at the same token, I'm kind of getting tired of goalpost moving. And I wonder if this is going to... Oh, I, I think that's a not a fair criticism because I didn't finish it. Right, I feel like... It has the markings of like a shonen anime where people have powers and yeah. we got the the current villain of the week is on display yeah. right now and like I'm, there's nothing wrong with that but getting off the heels of paranoia agent I kind of want something more like paranoia agent so I'm thinking I'm going to have to avoid animes in general yeah. probably just go to movies you know that's not even a bad idea just animated films but hey if you're listening out there and know like a really I guess thought-provoking anime that isn't focused well, on combat? A limited series. A limited series. Yeah, and please, one that's not a lot of episodes, because like, I, I, I like love, having a, an ending. Please. I like, I like, like, a lot of my favorite animes have a definite ending. A beginning, middle, end, and it's like at most 24 episodes, you know? Yeah. 
Like, look, the most popular one that I really like is Death Note, right? Yeah. And Death Note, I even think that goes on a little too long. There's oh, a, it has filler. I, we can't talk about at what point we feel that, but I think you know which point I'm talking about. Uh, where we probably feel like, the same way. Yeah, where it's like that is probably where they should have done that resolution, but they added on like an extra season or whatever, but it was fine. It wasn't that much they added. But we all know why they did it. We all... Man, that was a good that was a good twist. But you know what? Anyway, moving on. Uh, check out Doro Hidoro if you like violence and Mad Max. And yeah. who doesn't? I guess. Um, so I'm gonna try to not gush too much about this next thing I played. Um, and and I I think it starts a next conversation that I want to bring up with Doctor Rude because I think he'd just be perfect for this topic. Um, where it's like dis- discussing the intricacies of trying to find enjoyment salvage enjoyment really out of something that it has problematic elements you know what i mean you go back and you watch a movie uh, and you're like ace ventura okay you know what i mean yeah. there's a twist in the first of ace ventura oh uh, is this the, the oh the, yeah and, and th- at that point you're like oof that didn't age super well there's a lot of movies i like that there's some parts i'm just like i get it like back then yeah but now it's like oof but it wasn't see that's the thing but then again i was younger so i probably didn't understand that's the thing it wasn't okay back then but the thing is is that there were aspects of that thing to enjoy outside of that one element yeah and i want to have an maybe it'll be a question of the week where it's like how do you enjoy something but acknowledge its problematicness i think just acknowledging it is i pretty i just think acknowledging it is good enough because you just know you know Mm-hmm. Once you know, you could just could just continue talking about the good parts that you like, you know? Right. I just don't want to be like, oh, let's ignore this part that probably should not have been included. You know what I mean? Because I'm not trying to say like, oh, don't even think about that. Don't think about it. No, acknowledge it. But I don't know. We'll talk I, more about I that. I have a good example of that. Uh-huh. It's uh, I really like this movie called uh, the, the, the Men Who Stare at Goats. But okay. the biggest problematic was is that the main villain is Kevin Spacey. Who we all know is a giant creep. Yeah, yeah, that's so, news came out. <laughs> but but my workaway around it is that yeah, he's the antagonist, so he loses in the end, and he makes it look like a, he like he's an asshole in the end. You know, what like, was the movie called? Uh, the men who stare at goats. Men who stare at kids. <laughs> so I think that's like my way. Of, I, I think that just adds on another layer of like enjoying that movie because I get to watch Kevin Spacey lose even harder. You right, know? that's fair. Like, but obviously. Oh, I'm not trying to have the whole question of the week right now. It'll have to depend on the movies, but I want to have that discussion because, and I hate the fact that that is my introduction to this game because this game deserves a lot more attention and praise despite this one aspect that really is not a good idea and I don't want to negate it. So I played on the stream a game called Remothered Tormented Fathers. Okay. This is an Italian-based studio that made a horror game uh, and it's it's a giant love letter to old school PS2 horror games. Okay. Like games like uh, Haunting Ground, uh, Fatal Frame, uh-huh. Silent Hill, and and the most prominent fucking inspiration. Dino Crisis. Obviously. <laughs> Crash Bandicoot. Uh, no, Rule of Rose. What? Man, is this game inspired by, by Rule, Rule of Rose. Rose. And that... Oh, uh, everyone, I legitimately fell in love with this game's like environments the gameplay rough as fuck 
really rough. I'm not going to lie. It's not, it's not as broken somehow as Rule of Roses combat still. So it is a little bit better. Is, I heard that's famously broken. It It's a little bit janky, yeah. but however, if you've ever played the Saw Xbox 360 games, I know that's a deep pull. But the, the Saw PS3 Xbox 360 games, um, it plays kind of like that. You know what? i seen the covers, but I never played the game. They're actually pretty good games. A little bit bullshit with some of its traps, but like if you get used to the jank, you can build around it. There okay. are some parts that are a little bit rough, but man... The soundtrack, the characters, the world. Like, I I think every part of this, but not every part. That's the problem, right? What's the part? The problematic part. What's the problematic part of... of, uh, of every uh, mother? Of I a... can't say exactly what it is because it is a spoiler, but it is something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is something. I told you a little bit about it yeah. when we were in the car. But, like, it is... Uh, I get it. I absolutely understand how it's problematic, and that was definitely not the direction to go. I think if you lean in one direction and try to think of it in one way, it kind of works, but that's not an excuse. No, it's still You know, it's still so problematic. it's still a weird choice. Because you can still see it as that way. Right, ex- absolutely. And once and you see it that way, you can't unsee it. Absolutely, exactly. And, this, and it's a shame because this game has so many things to love yeah. about it. And I genuinely want to insist that the audience go and try it, but I, A, don't know if they'll be able to handle some of the jank, and B, if they'll be able to be to get over that problematic part towards the twist. You know what I mean? But if you do somehow like stomach those things, you'll get a survival horror game with a very big emphasis on exploring the environment. A very, very detailed environment that's very focused on kind of unraveling it, remembering, remembering where locations are. Vinny, there's no map. See, now we have a problem. Now we have a problem. I agree. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Where are you? <laughs> yeah, I, I hate that because, like, in a survival horror game, knowing where you are is a very important part. Oh, yeah. that's Because you can, you can still have a map and be scary. Like, the, that's what makes Resident Evil 1 and 2, like, so great, you know? Right. Because I mean, it gave you a map also so you can at least track down where you've been. Fuck, even Rule of Rose had a map. It didn't give you a waypoint as to where you were on it, but there was a map. So, like, you know, there's something. Either way, I genuinely love the way this game tells its story. The characters are acted, like, in such a refreshing way. And I don't know, though. And, Vinny, I think it's very apropos that you're on the show. Because remember the big retro boom where everyone was like, oh, man, it plays like like retro games. Oh, yeah. It plays like retro oh, yeah. games. Like, and the, like, like the late 360 PS3 era. Yes. Where, like Scott Pilgrim, uh, Mega Man 9 to 10. Were back Absolutely. In the yeah. I, oof. I, it, I cringe so hard from some of these people. But so now I'm wondering, like... Is it the same same thing for exactly. the PS2 survival horror era? Is Am I in love with this because it's just giving me something that I enjoyed? Or is it actually something fantastic? And you know who will have to decide? Who? The audience. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Jesus. <laughs> I mean, y'all do need Jesus. Uh and personally, whoever else you can per- persona. Personally, get. how I went through it, how I went through that retro reboom is uh, uh I just just c- kind of focused on the ones that I I would enjoy, like hyper like drifter. Yeah. Uh but I just kind of just let it roll past me. Cause I know because a lot of these are just marketing gimmicks. 
It, and a lot of games come out as like, oh, we're a Silent Hill inspired game. And then it's just kind of like, okay, the person has a mental trauma and that is the only inspiration. It's like, I mean, okay, not, what the Silent fuck? Hill's not even the only game that did that. Exactly. Too. So, so it's, it's passe. It's... But I will, after this, I'm surprised I haven't shown you it yet, but I'm going to show you the, the intro after this. Uh, and like maybe during the break. I don't know. And just so you can get an idea of how Rule of Rose it is. Okay. It's so great. Anyway, so that's all I got for recents. You ready for news? Yeah. Do you have any news? <laughs> that's okay. I understand. Uh, 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 the only thing I... Uh, no, I don't have any news. That's okay. If you think of anything while I'm going through, you're free to interrupt me. Okay. You get a free pass, Vinny. Okay. You get a free uh, forget pass. <laughs> forget pass. You got it. A forget me not. I mean, I watch a lot of old movies, so kind of new stuff is just like, what is this young, cool, hip no, things? No, actually, I got one for you. What? Remember you were telling me in the car about the Shin movies? Oh, the Shin, the Shin universe. Yes. Yeah, by uh, by Hideki Anno. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, what, what are they? Okay, so uh, if you guys haven't found out, a few days ago, Hideki Anno, who was the creator and director of the Neon Genesis Evangelion series, the, the famous animated uh, manga purple robot knife purple yes. robot knife and aliens and angels and all that stuff <laughs> deep meanings religious biblical oh, references. a fucking banging intro so recently he's been working with a uh, toy and uh toho company to make a cinematic universe he already uh started with shin godzilla uh he uh, released two trailers one for shin ultraman which is uh the, you know based off the classic uh, ultraman series but this is this time is gonna be a little bit more surreal. Yeah. And then we got a, a second trailer, which is gonna be Shin Kamen Rider, which is gonna be more of a 1970s uh, action hero star, like action superhero movie. I, I I'm really curious to see how they actually reinforce like its uh, time, uh, not time consistency. What the fuck am I trying to like say? Like connectivity. Of it's like historical presentation i think that seems to be what they're leaning into i think it's gonna be actually very more loose than more connected i think there's gonna be like a crossover here and there but it's not gonna be like a cinematic universe i think it's just gonna be like a brand thing called shin like true ultraman true godzilla neon genesis no i'm all about being loose all right it's totally fine yeah however i will mention uh for those of you who don't know like ultraman and fucking common rider they're like fucking I've, I know them as the inspirations for Power Rangers, because that's how I know. Yeah. But they're, they're fucking long storied past. Yeah. So uh, to get started, uh, the whole. We can't go into the whole thing. No, I'm, not, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go brief. I'm going to go brief. Okay. I'm going to go brief. Uh, Kamen Rider and Super Sentai, which is a Japanese name for Power Rangers, fall under this uh, superhero trope called Takazatsu. Yes. Which is uh, superheroes with special effects. And. Uh, it all started with a character named Ultraman, which was kind of like a slide nod to Superman, and at the same time, uh, kind of like a sequel to its uh, a show called Ultra Q, which was like the Twilight Zone of Japan. Which, by the way, when you hear Twilight Zone of Japan, I'm immediately on board and would definitely like it, to show it. it let's see this it's, show. It's, it's less horror-centric like as or thought-provoking as the Rod Sterling Twilight Zone that we know here in the United States. Sure. It's it's obviously we got we got we have more monster stuff. Like each week is a different monster, and it's just and it's the humans us having to deal with the monsters themselves. I think but I've we actually, can't kill them. 
I think I've actually seen an episode where like they had fish mouths. There's something like, like that. There's yeah, some there stuff was, like that. Yeah. But either way, we will do an episode on fucking uh, uh, Ultra Q, Ultra Man. Yeah. Because I genuinely, and this is why I interrupted to, to talk about it, because I, I actually do want to dive into that at some point. Yeah. Because it seems like there's a lot of backstory there. Um, oh yeah. But uh, the okay. So I got a few news here. On go my for bucket. it. Okay. Here we go. So I want to talk about the Capcom countdown. Oh yeah. Okay. So uh, very briefly. Uh, I'm hearing people think it's probably another Resident Evil. Well, just to tell everyone what it is. Yeah. Capcom, uh, basically on their website, just put a countdown, and it seems to be somewhat Resident Evil related because the Resident Evil Twitters were promoting it, plus uh, the history page of Resident Evil was, like, altered in some way. It's so it's, I, I think I have an idea what it is. So there's basically three guesses right now. It's Resident Evil 4 remake. That's what I was going to think. Yeah, so. which most people think there it's uh, fucking Resident Evil classics on the Switch, which, guys, I would love that. And hey, if it is, I'm all for it. But they're, I don't know. They haven't listened to us at all, so who the fuck knows? It, or the third option, Reverse. I mean... They listen. They're they're doing better with listening to us, but they just, yeah. I I, I mean, for the Mega Man side, they are. Well, thankfully, but are are d- does Capcom even have that much of like a, uh, like hand in a lot of Mega Man stuff now? Or yeah. Do they just let the studio take. No, care? they no. Yeah, I mean, they 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 didn't. They have a more control over it now. Uh, but it's definitely have a more unified vision than it was previously. Okay, because that's the thing, though. Because like, I I appreciate. The, I, the scale of village, but it's like, oh, we need village DLC and all this stuff. And it's I like, mean, I, don't know. I feel like with Resident Evil 7, it's kind of like an inch towards the right direction. Yeah. And check out our Resident Evil village special if you want to see how I felt about village. But there's a little bit about that. I'm not saying it's the worst, but go ahead and check that episode out. Yeah. Whatever it is, we'll see what it is on the day. Oh, no, it's, it's out on President's Day. Yeah. So people think it might be because uh, the president's daughter, her, her. I don't know. I think it's. I think it's gonna be uh, Resident Evil Four remake. Mm, the Resident Evil what? Four remake. Oh okay. Uh, I think so too, to be honest. But honestly, they're they are just as dumb to do reverse. A remake, remake of Resident Evil One, or just or just reverse. I think it might be because where the fuck is that dude? We're already in February. Code Veronica. Oh, we wish. Well, I would anyway. Moving on. Um. So we got Magic X Street Fighter, Magic the Gathering. X Street Fighter, there's gonna be cards added to Magic the Gathering with Street Fighter characters. I I don't know. Hey, bro, if Yu-Gi-Oh can have a solid snake card, I don't see why not. Yu-Gi-Oh has so many weird reference cards. Like, there, Vic Viper is a fucking archetype. I know. And it's awesome. I mean, Celtic <laughs> Guardian looks like Link. Well, that's and, that was uh, my head And kid. don't forget, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh also has that Wizard of Oz Star Wars crossover with the Cosmo cards. Okay. Is that a crossover or were they just blatantly kind of? Because, yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh! has this archetype. Like some An archetype is basically like a, a series of art on yeah. different cards. And they have one that's just basically uh, Wizard of Oz slash Star Wars. Oh, it's a whole deck. and oh. Yeah, and it's called uh, Cosmo. Cosmos? Cosmo. Cosmo. Yeah. It's really interesting. Check it out. I think it's a really interesting matchup. I mean, the artwork's really pretty. And the story behind the, char- the characters of the art is yeah. cool. But Luke I mean, is Dorothy. Uh, uh, the Wicked Witch is Darth Vader. And I, Darth Maul. She has a double-bladed lightsaber. 
wasn't that uh oh, oh, no, she, no. oh no she's more emperor palpatine I think. yeah no she was palpatine yeah because she was the nuts one with yeah. the fucking yeah anyway uh moving on from that uh no man's sky is getting a uh bonus called sentinel i think it's like a bonus like game mode hey i know is, am i talking about no man's sky dr rude is talking about no man's sky oh i apologize that's okay i mean look he's the only one so it's fine. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, at least they have their fan base of one to buy their DLC. I'm ki- Look, I applaud the fact that they are still actually adding content. Oh, yeah. That's if, good. Good for people who play the game. That No, because there was a whole thing about, oh, is this game good as good enough? Is it good enough? What Now we're at a point where the, the pants are shit stained, but there is no shit anymore. No, it's clean. It's, it's it, kinda, it went through the laundry. It, it went through the laundry. I, I, it's still a little crusty, but, you know, I don't know. It, it, Maybe the crust is gone. Who knows? I haven't played it in a long time. I haven't played it at all. Anyway, uh, next thing is that the Nintendo 3DS and Wii U shop closed. Yeah, for yeah, man, wow. I mean, who cares? This, everybody has a hacked Wii U and a 3DS. Well, see, that's the attitude we have to go to now because Nintendo is not interested in making sure that these games are available for audiences who want to buy them. Honestly, I kind of want to prefer Shin Megami Tensei 4 over 3 to be on the Switch. I look, I just think it's ridiculous that with a company like Nintendo that has that kind of backlog that loves to fucking use the same franchises every ever every fucking console and and do it well by the way. I'm not saying that's a negative thing. Oh, Metroid Dread is one of my favorite games from last year. So like they're doing stuff, but the problem is is that like they they're sitting on so many good yeah. games and it, they're just doing nothing. Uh, honestly, Earthbound has so much potential to to be more, you know? It, like if you're so unsure about making a new F0 game, just just port an F0 title. Oh just yeah, one and of just them. clean it up. Just clean it just up. Just one of them. Oh, port Never. it, clean it up, uh, just slash new coat of paint, you know? Something? Update uh, remix the music. And uh, put a sticker on it and slap it on the game. Like, fuck, man. I feel like it shouldn't be that much to do that. And it's an, it'll be an idea for a new racing game. Yeah, it will compete against Mario Kart, but it'll still be different. So does fucking Disney Racer, which is currently on the same fucking uh, tree uh, treehouse. Fucking Nintendo Direct. Yeah. It was like, whatever. But they were in the same Direct. Either way, I don't think this is a smart idea. But yeah. then again, everyone has already found the better alternative, which unfortunately is piracy. I, I don't... Look, we joke about it on the show, but this is exactly why we joke about it. Like, why do they not respect these titles and they kind of hoard it like this? Is it just because money? If so, I don't think that's a fair excuse. I, I Personally, I think it's a mix of money and licensing. Because uh, a lot of these games are just published by Nintendo. They're not made by Nintendo. So a lot of these companies, the 3DS and uh, the, Wii, the 3DS has like a big backlog of a lot of games that just didn't do well. And a lot of those companies went out of business. So I think it's more of licensing thing. Really? I think so, yes. So like for F-Zero? Uh, there's certain Nintendo franchises that Nintendo doesn't actually own. They just have the rights to publish it. Like Pokemon, but could, but they, they don't own publisher, Pokemon. But as a publisher, can they not release a port? Oh, I mean, it depends on it depends who developed the game. Because, like, that's what I mean. It depends. Like, if it's F-Zero, yes, they could. Because there's studios that's that made don't by use Nite- the original dev team to port. Because like, F-Zero is made by Nintendo. Right. Uh, but if it's a game that's made by a studio that went out of business, they can't port that. Sure. I'm just saying there's prime opportunity here. Oh, yeah. there's Of course. 
Okay. Nintendo. I, do, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. But I think it is. I think there for some titles, there's there's a, a little bit more complicated, you know, reasons. No, absolutely. All right. So on the on the risk of sounding like we're Nintendo bashing, we we literally just praised the Switch, like as we were opening. I I love. Like I said, the Switch is the greatest system. Either way, the last thing on my news docket is that there is going to be a Bioshock film published by. Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, it's going to be a straight-to-Netflix movie. They don't have a director or writer yet. Uh, obviously, I'll keep my eyes open. Uh, but I am cautiously optimistic. I am not optimistic at all. Oh, I guess that's fair. <laughs> uh, if it's, if it's going to be animated, I'll be more optimistic about it. If it's live action, I'll be like, oof. Unless they really do a good job capturing that underwater isolation feel. Because mm. that's one of those things that really stuck out to me because it was... A lot different, you know, than a lot of those action games that came out around the same time. But see, that's the problem. When it comes to Netflix, they tend to, I don't know, amplify certain themes that really don't need to be as amplified. So I'm just worried that it's going to be underwater Mad Max. I'm I'm worried. I'm worried about I'm worried that it's going to be directed by Zack Snyder. All right. Because the whole army of the dead and, you know. Because uh, the whole thing of uh, his Netflix movies and stuff like that, I feel like Netflix is going to try to approach to, like a Marvel film, Bioshock, mm-hmm. and it's going to be like action with some comedic moments. There'll be oh, some. God. There, there'll, there'll be like a few like atmospheric, you know, hot, like you know, you know, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, screen like scares and stuff like that. Sure. But I hope so. It's going to be, it's, but it's Netflix. It's going to have some comedic moments. It's going to be lighthearted. It's going to have heart. There's going to be a supporting character that's a little sister. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. There's going to be, there's going to, it's going to be like a Steven Spielberg firm. It's going to be like E.T., but <laughs> Bioshock. If they do not get on a bike and start pedaling through the ocean, I don't want to be in this. I don't want to even that's, fucking that's see how this I, movie. That's how I pictured it with the, and it's going to, and it's going to feel so off because that's what not what Bioshock is, you know? Yeah, I agree. But you know, it's, you know, Bioshock. Speaking of Bioshock, it has I a love very Bioshock. Bioshock has such a wonderful atmosphere, and you know, making an atmosphere like building atmosphere is really, really important when you want to get someone immersed in whatever media you're doing. Oh yeah. And you know what the best way to do that is? What? Well, in the media of music, you do that with a concept album. Oh, yeah. You basically go and build an environment with that concept album. You pick a theme and you get the audience to sort of the listener to get in that mindset instead of just kind of loosely connecting a bunch of songs that you came up with, which isn't a bad thing. But I think that concept albums really add that extra immersion. So let us go get immersed really quick with a fucking drink real quick. And then uh, we'll be right back with our All-Stars Best Concept Albums. Oh, yeah. Hello, everyone. This is the masterful dude of doodliness, the face that runs the place, the host with the most, Adrian Mikewes. And you're listening to the Fan Freaks podcast hosted by the Fan Freaks Facebook group, the home to all freaks and all fandoms alike. Join us at F-A-N-F-R-E-E-K-S Fan Freaks Facebook group. Be there, be square. Welcome back, everybody. I I hope you are feeling well immersed in this podcast. I hope you are feeling the vibe we're putting down with our specific choices and phraseology. Oh, I'm feeling freaky. I'm feeling groovy. I am with my pants off. I'm ready to throw down. (laughs) Oh my, all right. So today we're going to be doing a very interesting topic. We'll be doing our all-stars best concept albums. Woo! 
So this is a topic that I didn't even think about. Like I was like, you know, we talked about doing a music podcast at somewhere on uh, at some down somewhere down the line, some point. It might be a work in progress. However, that's not going to stop me from still talking about music where I can. So here we are talking about our best concept albums. Oh now, yeah. I'm going to just read this actual straight up definition of what a concept album is because I know somebody's going to probably correct us, all right? So here we go. We got a concept album is an album whose tracks hold a larger purpose or meaning collectively that they do individually. This is typically achieved through a single central narrative or theme, which can be instrumental, compositional, or lyrical. It, it, that is such an open like definition. Oh, yeah. And it, it, it makes me definitely feel a little bit more ma uh, relaxed, but at the same time, a little bit more stressed out because I listen to so many yeah, concept like, albums, apparently. We we were, like, thinking about concept albums and, like, oh, is this enough of a concept album? Were they going enough? Like, was the idea specific enough? And then we look up the definition and it's, like, just anything. Like, narrative, theme, instrumental, it, 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 As long as it fits a certain, like, connection. And that, that seems to work. So you know what? I have a feeling this is actually, you should put your worries to rest. This will actually be a very lax episode. Oh, yeah. You get away with a lot right now. Oh, yeah. So no stress. We're, gonna, we're just going to throw in. And uh, I, how do you want to start this? How do you, how, do you, how do you feel? I am very... Uh, Pumped? I'm, I'm also kind of nervous because I feel like I'm going to forget one. And, you know, we should stop fucking beating around the bush. Although I'm always about beating around a bush. Oh, yeah. Um, so I guess I'll start. Okay. Okay, uh, just to sort of test the waters for you here, I'll, I'll be the 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 crash test dummy. <laughs> I don't know if crash, if your crash test dummy makes that noise, I don't think that's a a normal thing. Anyway, so I'm gonna start with a very simple one that I love to talk about. And I never get the chance to talk about. So there is a concept album by the band Forgive Durden. Okay, I don't blame you if you haven't heard about them. They're kind of like a somewhat uh, modern-day punk alternative band. Not in the traditional, you know, Offspring and fucking Black Flag punk, but, like, a little bit more like the, the more As I Lay Dying-esque era and stuff like that, yeah. the 2000s. And by the way, I hope... Hope you're in for some music speak, because that's what we're doing. <laughs> oh, we're gonna, we're, we're, we're gonna use some loose terminology... It's basically we're gonna be talking about feeling. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there. Oh, by the way, I'm not saying like we're gonna use specific like words, like scientific words. We're gonna be using a lot of abstract phrases. So oh, just yeah. try we're, and keep up. <laughs> it's, it's gonna be weird. It's so, gonna get a little weird. What what Forgive Durden was uh, did was is they went, hey, what if we made an album that's just a play? Yeah. So it is a play written by the band Forgive Durden. And they went ahead and said, all right, so we're going to go ahead and write all these songs and write out a story and make sure that they kind of, you know, co coincide and all that. And then we're going to go ahead and fucking have a bunch of guest singers. Wow. So the thing is, is that this album on its own is really fucking good. But there is like a ton of features on this album. And it includes shit like... Uh, uh, fucking, first off, Casey Crescenzo is in the opening fucking track. Yeah. And if you know me, I am obsessed with that guy. He's in Deer Hunter. He's fucking Receiving End of Sirens. He's fucking uh, uh, Honorary Astronaut. He's got a lot of shit going on. But I love him to death. He's in the first fucking thing. Uh, Danny Stevens, fucking um, the, the lady from uh, The Hush Sound. I can't believe I forgot her name, but she's here. Um, fucking Brandon Urie from Panic at the Disco. Oh, wow. 
like, oh, wow. is, is here. He plays the um, Atticus's brother, Pallas, the, the king. Uh, I'm not going to get through the whole story. I genuinely want you to go and listen to the story of this play. It basically is kind of like a fairy tale about a tale of light and dark. Yeah. And it is as literal as I fucking made it sound. So, you know, think Star Wars-esque oh, yeah. in terms of light and dark. That's a big part of that story. Okay. But it is fantastic. I love <laughs> the sweetness. It's so genuine. Um, all the characters play their roles really well. I, I, want, I literally would kill to be in a live production of this album. Okay? Like, I, I would... So I'm just going to go ahead and just, I feel like this should be a part of it. Just list a couple of tracks you like. Yeah, yeah. You know uh, what I mean? Stand, what, what stands out? So I like Genesis because, A, it's the opening track, and that's the one with Casey Crescenzo. So, like, I'm already a big fan of that. Fucking, um, I love uh, The Spider and the Lamps. Yeah. Uh, Life is Looking Up is really optimistic. Uh, Doctor Doctor is this really cynical song. Did you did you listen to this album? I don't remember. Uh, I don't think so. You're not, okay. Not yet. I think you might actually like Dr. Doctor because it's a mad scientist song. Okay. That, so that's like, a, that's, that sounds cool. The one aspect you might really dig there. Yeah. Um, also, it has the guy from Say Anything. Oh, if you remember okay. Say Anything. Yeah, I remember. Well, that's a great that's, band, that's, too. That's, that, oh, that's a throwback Do one. you see this fucking all-star lineup? Like, I mean, I'm so shocked. But I'm, look, I'm like looking at it right now. I'm shocked. It's it's pretty crazy. But I'm shocked. I Again, I don't want to go too, too much about it. But if you need a really nice play and you're not afraid of like alternative rock or or kind of emo pop because that's kind of what it is yeah don't be afraid to look up razia shadow it is criminally underrated and still is my favorite play i'm sorry it's so good uh so Vinny, what's your concept album well i'm here to bring you right down and uh, introduce crosby steals nash and young's deja vu album Ooh. from 1970 it came out the same time, the same week as the Beatles broke up. So, oh shit! <laughs> so, so it, it threw a left field after the people are feeling down about the Beatles breaking up. Here's Crosby, Steals and Nash coming out with a really sad album, just to let you know that the '70s is gonna suck because Nixon's president. <laughs> Jeez, like the timing, the timing, the timing. Right? Yeah, it's just impeccable. Also, the background, you know, behind the tracks and stuff like that is kind of a downer. Uh, at the same time, Crosby, Still, and Nash were going through bad breakups. Uh, Crosby's girlfriend, unfortunately, was get, got killed by a drug driver oh uh, during, during the making of the album. Uh, Stills uh, got divorced from his longtime wife, Judy Collins. And Nash is, uh, broke up with Joni Mitchell, another famous musician from around that time. Neil Young is just a depressing person in general. All of his songs uh, tend to be like a little, not like sad, but like comically like bring you down. Well, I can appreciate a sense of humor while still being kind of real. Uh, real yeah, that, that's, realistic. That, that's how I feel about it. It's it's a sense mm. of humor with the realism. And uh and I think I think like cuz uh, personally I feel like Neil Young has this sort of like autism, like he's on the spectrum somewhat mm -hmm. because the way he probably processed it was probably a little off cuz like, cause you have like songs like Deja well, rather differently. You have songs from K yeah. David Crosby like Deja Vu, which is about just feeling like you you're living through the same day over and over again. It just feels like a drag. Mm -hmm. Or or his song Almost Cut My Hair, which is about cutting his hair, which is a symbolism of conforming to regular society. You know, the lyrics talk about letting his freak flag fly. 
I w- you know, I'm kind of jealous because I couldn't talk about the tracks on Razia Shadow because they're story elements. Oh, yeah. But, like, yeah, I, I like the fact that you're going into, like, what the song is actually Steve, talking about. Steve, Steven, Stills wrote a, Steven Stills wrote a song called 4 Plus 20, which is about uh, his history of him and his family always being poor. And now, as an adult, he's going through a different poor, type of poorness, which is being heartbroken. And that's the benefit of, like, well, okay, hold on. And how is this a concept album? Uh, the concept is the theme of the, uh, as you go through the album, you see that in the beginning it started like uh, very uh, uplifting and everything's all right. You got a song called Woodstock, which is about when the band played all at Woodstock. You know, it's, everything's all lively, and then it just it, it follows the theme of uh, not everything is going to be as good as you think it's going to be. Okay, something like a faded kind of kind of thing. It, it's it's because you have songs like uh, about conforming, like uh, almost cut my hair. And then you got Neil's song, Neil Young's song called uh, "Helpless," which is a song about being helpless. Right. So like, the track listing is essentially being thematic in the sense of losing hope, which I'm not, not gonna even, lie not, is a fucking ballsy topic. Not, not, not even like, then, but even the songs themselves. The majority of the songs is acoustic. So even then, a lot of them feel like very homey and warm, mm. but the lyrics are just very sad. Ironically, uh, Graham Nash, he wrote the happier of the songs. He wrote uh, Our House, which I think is one of In the- In the middle of the street. No, not that Our House. <laughs> not that house. The but, one next uh, door. <laughs> no, no this is, I think, I mean, uh, I, I listen to Our House. It is like one of the sexiest, loveliest songs ever. And then you got another song uh, called uh, Teach Your Children, which is about children and parents learning from each other. So he has like positive messages, which is all in the beginning of the album. And then you got David Crosby and everybody just bringing the mood down. (laughs) And the whole theme is just, you know, just expectations is not what you expect. And everything is not as great. All right. Seems like a very introspective album. Oh, yeah. And, and it really shows in the end in the song Country Girl, which is more of a suite than a song. And it's, and it's, a, it's a story about a, a woman who works at a, bar, a dingy bar. And she thinks like this is going to be the rest of her life. She has no future, no Jesus hope. Christ. And this is Neil Young's song, by the way. So he just he's enjoying this story, you know. And then but at the very end, there's a little, little, little piece of hope. And then the album ends with a song called Everybody I Love You. And it's just everything's just all happy again, even though the world sucks. <laughs> I, You know, I feel like my list is going to be a lot more superficial than yours. Uh, mine's just more, mine's more, like, mine's more so emotion much. driven. Mine's yeah. more emotion driven. That's so much like legitimate emotion driven, like actual, like each song has a very I emotional way. I showed you. Mine's a play. <laughs> I showed you, I showed you the Deja Vu album, the brown cover with the uh, black, yeah. with the uh, old Western style. Yeah. I have the 50th anniversary. And when I'm at home, I put that album on. I'm relaxed. <laughs> I, you know, I, I agree. Look, I have nothing uh, against that that is totally fantastic i just wonder how mine are gonna sound in comparison to something how i'm gonna follow that up that's oh, what wait, i'm wait, did i go about. too deep yeah i'm just all right i'm gonna follow it up with this <laughs> like this is what i have to follow it up with i hope i'm you know. sorry i chose this topic no it's totally fine so there's an album called hotel cabana <laughs> uh, look, what do you want from me, dude it's not nothing's gonna be how deeper as... can you get from deja vu hotel cabana 
Cause like, look, I I don't know. I love you, bro. I love you. I'm trying to think of albums like that that have that emotional kind of tie to everything, but I, they're not. I don't know. I thought I would be like, hey, this is the. Well, thing the don't forget, it's also the time back then. This is like, this is the. That is true. There are more. I don't know. You know, musicians are more probably more emotional back then because mm. of the heightened sense of, you know, we have a common enemy with you know the U.S. government. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, that's yeah. Exactly. I it's mean, very much into that. I think there's a there's a whole tie to that. You know, I agree. I'm sorry. I don't mean to to sandbag. No, go myself, Dude, so talk about take, talk about Hotel Cabana. <laughs> Don't, why should don't I wear you fucking condescending? Why, why should why should I wear why should I wear this Hawaiian shirt? You should because I'm gonna I love you, you. I'm gonna set, <laughs> I'm gonna set the stage for you. Okay. Okay. I, I got my pants on. I legitimately found this album right before going on vacation. Okay. And I did go to a beach hotel. Yeah. I'm not going to say this is. Oh my god! You have to go to a beach hotel to enjoy this album. First of all, I hate beaches. What? I'm kidding. No, no, wait, hold on. I don't wait, like beaches. You live in Florida, my dude. Not by choice. <laughs> I I learn and love so many things from Vinny. So many at uh, each day, each day. <laughs> anyway, um, so Hotel Cabana is is by it's a debut studio album by a British record producer called Naughty Boy, and basically they did a very similar oh. concept with uh, uh, Razia Shadow, where they got a whole bunch of featured artists uh, artists to put together a concept album about a hotel that basically every floor has an issue. Like, <laughs> well, hold on, let me explain. Not a technical issue. I mean, like, there is some sort of emotional issue yeah. with the person living on that floor. Mm -hmm. And each one is going up the floors. Okay. And in the beginning, it's all the it's the bellboy telling you about how, hey, you're going into this hotel. Every floor has a, a different story to tell and all these different things. And it's... By the way, it's George the Poet who puts that together, and he he's a great narrator. Holy shit. Um, either way, so it's I find it interesting that it's kind of a framework for them to basically put all these guest tracks that have all these different situations, but they are connected in the sense that they are at a... They should be happy, but they are not, is the theme. I get it. I you know it. what I mean? I know like you're feeling. in a place where you should be happy, but you're, but you're not. not. Both situational and literally. Okay. And that's a really cool concept. Okay. I, I mean, there's a lot of songs, No One's Here to Sleep, Home. I love Never Be Your Woman. That song's fucking great. I'm very, yeah. very low-key. I love it. Um, I, Lifted is is so fucking boisterous and huge. It, it There's a lot of really good fucking artists here. Sam Smith is here. Uh, oh. La 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 comes yeah. from this album. Oh, wow. In case you want to know where the fuck that came from. Yeah. Uh, fucking Amelie Sande. She's fucking gorgeous. Bastille does a track here. If Ed Sheeran's your thing, he has a track. Top Floor. Can you guess which one I ignore? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give I'm gonna give you a quick guess. It's Top Floor. Well, yes, to be honest. Plus, there's two bonus tracks. Daddy by Ifen. Uh, well, it's the Daddy remix by Ifen Daifedid. I'm so sorry. I don't know how to pronounce this. Don't apologize. It's not my name. Well, it will be now. <laughs> Watch me. <laughs> just, he's like, he calls the, you know, the government. Like, I, I have a freaking paper right here. Sign it. No, but like <laughs> this remix is really fucking chill. And I want to, this is my favorite track on it. And it's a fucking bonus track, which is kind of funny. Um, and it, it's an interesting cover. Check that out. And they did a cover of um, Daft Punk's Get Lucky. 
Okay. And that's there too. I, li- I like Daft Punk, so. Yeah. So if you're looking for a vacation album, that's not, oh God, never be this. Oh, that's a good album too. <laughs> Uh, anyway, sorry, I'm getting into the the track listing. Never been the same by Thabo is is really emotional. Love it. Sorry, gonna move on. If you need a good vacation album uh, that's not afraid to dip into the emotional side every now and then, check out Hotel Cabana. I don't uh, feel anyone's talking about it. I really I, you know it. what? I always enjoy a good chill album, so I might check that out. And it, it's in. By the way, I didn't. I mean, mention I might the, check out because I like Get Lucky. So, but that also the covers really like. It has such a um. God, how do I? I don't want to say tropical and sound like an idiot. I like tropical though. But it it's a very bassy almost summer night feel. Okay. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I yeah. hear it. You you're you're like at night on the beach and you know you're just chilling there. I I get this really I, nice I, I can visually see summer wind kind of thing. Like at night there's palm trees blowing with the wind. Love and, it. And but, it, 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 like a small band playing at a bar. Yeah. I hear it. I hear it. Okay, cool. I'm glad you're there. You've got you've grasped the concept. I, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a very visual guy, Bunk. You know, you know uh-huh. me. I could. Thank you, leisurely. I appreciate I got it. You, but buddy. last thing about it, the genre is it's pop, it's hip hop, and it's contemporary R and B. That's cool. All right. So, what's your next pick? Uh, so, uh, I guess we'll go a little bit more, a uh, little bit on the weirder side. The next album I picked is Lola versus Power Man and the Money Go Round Part One by the Kinks. I'm sorry. Lo- okay. Say that one more time. Lola versus Power Man. And the money go round, part one by the Kinks. Was there a part two? No, that's a joke. Fucking a. <laughs> Mel Brooks did the same thing with yeah. History of the World Part One. They do that shit all the time. Where there's a part one and there's no part two. So uh, a little brief history about the Kinks and the the album specifically. Uh, in 1964, the Kinks was kicked out of the United States for excessive uh, fighting on stage, uh, drunken hooligans outside of you know concerts and venues and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So they were kicked out of the United States and they were banned from returning for seven years uh, until like 1970 mm. is when they were, ma- they were able to come back. So they missed a lot of the early like anti-Vietnam. They missed a lot of like culture change like Woodstock, Monterey from the United States. They were not a part of that. Just for a second really quick. Do you yeah. see why I-, I-, I talked to him about music? Like, he literally knows the backstory like this. I'm so, sorry. Yeah. I'm impressed by how yeah. much you're able to remember about this. Sorry, so, go ahead. So, so, so instead of, like, a lot of stuff we heard from the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, whatever, the, uh, the Kings talked about a lot of the problems they were facing in England over mm. taxation, the royal family, and just the silly personality that England has developed at that you know by the 1970s the audience didn't see your air quotes on royal family royal family so i know. mean the, <laughs> the kinks are like the beatles they're like rebels but it's like they're quirky you know they sure. wear like colorful bow ties they uh they call themselves the kinks you know i mean the beatles were quirky though they were quirky but i think the joke with the kinks is that they took it to the next level you know i see i see in the 60s everybody in the in, in england everybody wanted to be the beatles with flavor you know, right, right. a twist on it. And that's what the Kinks was. It was a, com- a comedic twist of it. So the the thematic of the yeah, album. What, what's the concept? I was the about thematic to say. of the album is about a guy who uh, is basically uh, forced to work like a nine to five job. And, you know, who's struggled to live because of barely making ends meet because uh, over taxation and... Uh, yeah, he, he, he basically has to like get in line to get like government assistance. God, so is every album you pick like an actual commentary on the world? Yeah. Damn. 
So, Damn. so, so, uh, a lot of this was a lot what the kinks were facing themselves, uh, uh-huh. especially the brothers, Ray and Dave Davies, the, the two writers of the album. Mm-hmm. Um, cause, they, uh, cause they were pretty much living in like, in the poverty ghetto version of like East London. Okay. Um, and a lot of their songs are like kind of self-reflections of what, what they went through after being kicked out of the United States. As uh, the deal with the, they were noticed like the deal with the record company that uh, a lot of the money they were supposed to be getting from like the sales of their records it was not coming to the band. It was going to all the promoters, to all to all like the lawyers and the people who own the record companies. Yeah, I was about to say, and that's the music industry. It, it, yeah, so they wrote a song called "The Money Go Round" to reflect that, to reflect that like them just not getting any of the money that they're not they're gonna get. I love these themes of rebellion oh, you've yeah. got going on here. So we, so we have an album of this guy uh, played by Ray Davies, and uh, he's basically going through a, a change in life for, mm. uh, through a week. In the beginning, you notice some of the songs like Strangers, Get In Line. He's in a very conformed way of life. You know, he, he, he has to get his government assistance. He has to try to make ends meet. He has to work. He has to, like, get, you know, electricity to this house, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he goes to this party. He meets a woman named Lola. And don't we all? And don't we all? And it, and it, and it, it turned was out she a showgirl. She, she, <laughs> she, she. Her she, name was Lola. She, she, she. Well, she, why I consider is the the first positive uh, transgender character in music. All right, that is a big claim, but I will take I, it as an example. I, I, yes. I, th- I, th- I personally think it was what I've seen so far. Okay. Because it, it was about him falling in love with Lola. He finds out that she's not just a woman, but she's also part, you know, uh-huh. male. Right. And, and, he, and at the end of the song, he's like, you know what? I don't care anymore. I'm still in love with you, and I don't, I don't, I don't, and I don't care if the world's messed up. So by after meeting Lola, yeah, sorry that the world's weird stigma gets in the way. Yeah, but he accepts it. Yeah, he, but he accepts it. He accepts it, and he falls in love with her. And and then then the world starts opening up to him how it's more messed up and how he's not getting paid. And then he uh, makes a hit song. Okay. Uh, after traveling through the small town called Soho. And then that's when he becomes like a famous musician, and that's when he goes through the money go round, and then. At the end of the album, he's back into poverty. Wow! Because the money system, go round. Because 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 the, the system never loses. But th- but you get that? Yeah, money, money, That is a fucking clever way to write that. And, That's the, and, and the whole album, like yeah, Lola's like a fun, funny song. And it's poppy, but it's just you really see how like uh the it's reflecting of the Kinks themselves. How they they you know. They were poor. They became big, and because they were banned from the U.S. and all the stuff with the studios, they became back to poor. Hmm. That that's a look. I I only know like one or two songs from the King, so I don't have any exposure like album sense. Yeah. I, but they seem like they know what they're talking about. I like to I, I like to view as albums like books. They they tell a story, and that's what I think. Like the Beatles, the Kinks, Crosby, Steals, and Nash. Well. Speaking of books, oh, my next album, yeah, it was actually a counterpart to a book. What? Dude, it broke new ground. Hundred percent, straight up the Bible, the soundtrack. No, <laughs> no, I uh, can't wait for the sequel, dude. Bible two now in theaters. Um, no. Starring Mel Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> 
why? Why? Uh, why, do, why? Listen, nobody knows how I think. I honestly, I would take a Mel Brooks. I would take it. Jesus. I would take it. Has he? He's done a lot of Jewish characters. Has he ever played like Jesus? Uh, he played Jesus's waiter in History of the World Part One. <sighs> okay, it was close. We were close. I want him. I want him to play. I, I like how I do that from like the back of my head. Dude, you know so many things in the back of your head. Uh, but anyway. Uh, speaking of the album art being ahead, boom, brought it oh. back in. Uh, so my next album is going to be called, um, sorry, is an album called Haunted by Poe. Oh. So this album is actually, okay, so nobody really fucking talks about Poe, and I don't think that's they fair. They should. Poe is so great. Poe is, is like, okay, she, I'm trying to think of what her real name is, but it's, she, she. It's Eop. It's uh, backwards. No, it's it's. Thanks, buddy. It's Anne DeCouter Danwalinsky. Okay. All right. Now, if you have, are in sort of like the the horror novel scene, Danwalinsky may sound familiar. So Daniel Daniel Danwalinsky. Uh, no, sorry, Mark Danwalinsky. My apologies. Uh, is the author of House of Leaves. Oh wow! So on the show we've talked about it a little while ago. I actually gave this book for Christmas to Doctor Rude. Um, so he can he can read it. It's like a really interesting and very very a little bit pretentious, but very uh, thought provoking and very uh, abstract album. It's or album, yeah. book. It's really interesting. So to get an album based on it is is even better. So what she did was is she wrote this album with her brother's novel in mind, while on top of it using it as an outlet to get like. Um, I don't want to use get over, but to confront the feelings of her father who passed away. So don't worry. I got some emotional stuff here, too. Oh, wow. So it's a tribute to her, her late father. And in the album are snippets of her dad talking to her because what her, what her dad would do would he would he would create these like tape recordings yeah of like different lessons and things cuz i guess he was a very and he sounds like like a very astute guy where he's talking about different trivias different games he made lessons pl lesson plans for his kids on tape recorders yeah so she uses those tape recordings in the music uh-huh and the way that it's incorporated, it's just, you get this, okay, and the album's called Haunted, because she feels as though she is haunted by the memory of her father. Uh -huh. But while it's also kind of playing into the fact that it's a horror novel that it's based on. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting blend of situations, and the album itself is like an alternative rock, a little bit of pop rock, experimental rock. Um, she is so goddamn smooth. Uh, I love Poe. Uh -huh. uh, she has two really good albums. I love Hello, which is the album before this. But Haunted is a concept album in the sense that it uses that concept of her, her late father as well as playing into aspects of the book, uh, House of Leaves. And, like, for example, the song uh, Five and a Half Minute Hallway is a reference to in the book where the wife finds a hallway inside of her house. And each time she measures it, it's a different measurement yeah. every time. Yeah. So she's freaked out and she ends up calling somebody and they also find out that this hallway keeps growing and the outside of the house isn't changing to support that. Uh-huh. So it's like literally it oh it's a very interesting novel and that's literally all I'm going to say about the story of House of Leaves, but there is a song called Five and a Half Minute Hallway where she sings about living in it. <laughs> And it, I'm just saying, there's a lot of really, really emotional songs here. Spanish Doll, 
uh, fucking Terrified Heart. Um, a Terrible Thought is really smooth. I, Vinny, I know Vinny loves Haunted. Oh, oh, Poe is great. So why t- Vinny found Haunted through something else. Where did you find Haunted? Uh, I found Haunted through a video game, Alan Wake. Yeah, so Poe's an Alan Wake soundtrack. And, By the which, way. I, and I love video game movie soundtracks. So I, when I was scrolling through and I saw Poe, I was like, I have to listen to this whole album. I, I, I have to do it. I, I, I just I want, love the song. The song was so good. I want more people talking about her because she hasn't, granted, she hasn't come out with anything new recently, but she, I love these two albums. I, I, I genuinely do. It's fresh. It's, not a, not a, okay. So Not a Virgin is like such a good song. Uh, I'm, it's basically a fuck you to anyone who's like, women have to be pious. You women can't have sex. No. Yeah. And it's just like, nope, sorry, not a virgin. And it's, it, it, it I'm not going to lie. I did I listen mean, to it. I mean, there's one thing <laughs> I got to say happened. to add on to your haunted, uh-huh. solid fucking set list. No, absolutely. Solid fucking set list. That's it. You know? Hey, pretty is an amazing driving song. Wild is a really um, oh like, yeah intense. I'm not gonna spend too much time on it. Oop. Check this album out. Please. Oh yeah. Um. Uh, so, uh, sorry, I'm trying to rush through because I know I can spend hours talking about each song. Oh yeah. But we're not doing a review on it. We're just t- giving a brief yeah. overview and letting y'all fucking give it a shot. Come back to me when you hear it. <laughs> All right. So, what's your next album? I got like two more. Uh, okay, so uh, my next album I'm going to take out is uh, Ringo Starr's 1973 Ringo album. Just it, Was this his debut? No. Okay. This is like his third or fourth album. Interesting that the third album is just named after him. That's interesting. Uh, I, well, the great thing about this album is it deals with Ringo Starr uh, dealing with life post-Beatles. Okay. Uh, where he actually returns being the character Billy Shears from Sgt. Pepper's. So this album is kind of like a low-key sequel to Sgt. Pepper's. And it's also almost a Beatles reunion because John Lennon, George Harrison, and Klaus Borman all perform in the album. Oh, shit. Unfortunately, Ringo, Paul McCartney couldn't make it due to scheduling conflicts. He was too good for it, obviously. But I, honestly, he was, no, no. He was above it. Well, at that time, Paul McCartney was going through like an isolationist like thing going uh-huh. on. So I kind of excuse that. Like he wanted to be by himself in, like, in Sweden. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah, right. So uh, you got so you got deal. You got him dealing with being uh, a post Beatle, but not being one of the popular post Beatles. Hmm. So you really deal with songs like uh, "It Don't Come Easy." Oh, that's a great song. Uh, or "Photograph," which is uh, a song about people uh, asking for his autograph, but they just want him because he's the drummer of the Beatles, not because of his solo merits. Damn. But it all comes back with John Lennon and Ringo Starr's song "I'm the Greatest," which really, which, which is really the opener of the album, which gives you the whole like idea of he of his character Billy Shears is like I'm the greatest, like nothing can stop me. My entire life, I've been told I'm the best. Uh-huh. And then, then the whole album with "It Don't Come Easy" and "Photograph," you can really see that his fame, like he could tell that his fame was dwindling, and he has to like sort of reinvent himself. And that's what the album is about, reinventing yourself. That I love the idea of like being so uh I guess aware of your standing and not having any delusion and like literally confronting it in your art. I, th- I not th- even running away from it, like I, literally making it the topic. I think that's what makes Ringo Starr like a true character. Like he like he's man enough to like, you know, do that. Like be like, I know who I am, it doesn't matter. And heck, 
John Lennon loves Ringo Starr so much. He even like appears in his albums. You know, John Lennon is famously not wanting to do anything with George Harrison and Paul McCartney. But for Ringo Starr, John Lennon's like, yeah, I'll be on the album. I want to be part of your all-star band. Dude, I wish I was like so musically inclined that I could find my therapy through creating an album, you know? Uh, uh, yeah. That's like a, literally yeah. find that part of yourself and work it out as best you can through music. Oh, yeah. Like even in the po- fucking Poe album, If You Were Here is like literally talking to her father. And oh, yeah. your situation in, in photograph, it's like I'm talking to a fan that doesn't even want me. Yeah. He like, just you just know? the idea that I was a Beatle. You know? Yeah, I, I again. This is why concept. Look, there's nothing wrong with regular like track. I listings, love regular albums, but concept albums let you do these whole thematics. Oh, and it just it, like you can even add into the album artwork. Like even the album artwork of Ringo is like a sequel to Sgt. Pepper's. Because you know how in Sgt. Pepper's album, it's like a stage. And yeah, it's a bunch and, of cutouts. And, and, and the cutouts and it's yeah. on stage. It's facing the opposite direction. It's the stage, but you face the audience. Oh, it's that, so literal. It's it's a literal like opposite. Like that's the Ringo album. We see what I mean. Like, that, like it's 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 bizarre, and nobody's and everybody's like, oh, Paul McCartney's solo or John Lennon's solo. Yeah, George Harrison's solo. They're all great, right? Uh huh. But there's a few golden tickets of Ringo Starr's solo album that people should really like. Check it out. No, most definitely. I, I Again, I appreciate how fucking literal that cover is. I didn't think they would just be like, yup, we're on the opposite side. Yeah. This is what it is. And it's just Ringo standing next to his name going, yep, this is the other side of the stage. And that, because I, I was thinking like, is this a concept? Is it is it something pertinent through the whole thing? But I think it is. Probably, it definitely yes. is. It, it, it's, it's the character of Billy Shears going through being a post-famous, you know? I'm so sorry. I'm I. That's awesome. I just read, yeah, that Haunted came out on Halloween of 2000. Nice. I didn't even know that. That's awesome. Uh, spooky on the turn of the millennium. Yeah. Again, and just to return to that, using yeah. elements of your trauma into the track. Oh yeah, like and that's yeah. I mean, that's been my whole theme of this list. Yeah, uh, I know. Like every single one has been trauma related. I only got one. I got one because she used it in a spooky theme. <laughs> Neil, that's all I got. Neil Young famously said on live before playing like a next song. He goes, this next song is right. Bring you right down. <laughs> <laughs> get ready to get depressed. Get ready to be sad. Well, my next pick is actually not about being sad. It's about being sexy. So oh, my next pick. yeah. My next pick <laughs> is Queens of the Stone Age, Lullabies to Paralyze. Now, Vinny immediately okay. turns to see the album art on my wall because I have a poster of it. I, I can see why you think sexy, but uh, I mean, Bird the Witch is pretty sexy to my like uh, uh, my book. I mean, they they kind of all they, okay. So it's like, like a dark sexy. It's, yes, like a dark fantasy sexy. Is that what you're yes. trying to think? Yes. So. So basically, Lullabies to Paralyze is a Queens of the Stone Age album, and um, it, the whole theming of it is like grim fairy tales. Yeah. So you got things like Burn the Witch, Someone's in the Wolf, uh, Skin on Skin. Uh, oh, Skin on Skin. Play. Oh, wow. There, okay. There is a lot yeah. here, and it's mainly focused on the sexy side of it. Oh, yeah. This is my favorite Queens of the Stone Age album, which, funnily enough, is the band's least favorite album. I think it's one of their best albums. I mean, the, I mean, when I was a kid, Burn the Witch music video, I, I would watch that, like, you know, on repeat. Yeah, I mean, I love the, I loved the style of it. It has a very dreamy, dark, but not afraid to get uh, rhythmic with its yeah. aggressive guitar. I, I, I like I, that. I, I love that album. So it's classified here as stoner rock. 
But Josh Homme has very famously said that he does not like the term stoner rock. Yeah. I don't know. I, I He prefers the term robot rock, which just means that it uses repetitive patterns. But you know what? There's, there's math rock, and it could still be stoner rock, too, but... Whatever, like honestly, I mean, I mean these these are just subgenres, you know. It, it, they're like open ended, like what do they really mean? Right, and I again, I feel like if I were to talk about the sound, it has a very, uh, very provocative side to it with a lot of more intimate sound effects of like lighters going or him smoking or very when Josh Homme switch, switches to falsetto in a random part because he wants to accent, accentuate the sexiness. You know what I mean? Um, but the guitar is just so very, uh, it feels like it's kind of distorted and sort of like a wobbly sense. It loves to put these long string outs, especially in Everybody Knows That You're Insane, which is the fucking uh, third track on the album. I'm trying not to get too much into no, it. No, no, actually, I was going to add on to the production, too. Oh, okay, go ahead. Uh, I was about to say, I, I was about to say, I, I actually found the album a lot more grounded than, uh, more, uh, produced. Oh, well, yeah, well, there's a lot of sound effects in terms of just, like, abstracty, like, literal, like, chimes. Well, yeah, I mean, there's sound effects, but they're not really heavily edited sound effects, you know? Sure, yeah, the the vocals aren't super uh, modulated at all. Exactly, like, I like how, like, earthly it feels. Yeah, Uh, it starts with a very simple track with Lullaby, and, I mean, like, it sets the mood to sort of have a dark fantasy fairy tale. Yeah. But you're going to totally get boned while you're in that dark fantasy fairy tale. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have a shirt. I have a poster and a shirt that has the band as uh, Big Bad Wolves in the forest, and on the shirt is, like, a big, like, it's sort of like a sexified version of Little Red Riding Hood. And honestly, this was my entire, like, mindset in high school. I loved this sort of, like, it. this this album really did inspire my, like, a lot of my love for forests. I love this sort of, like, dark into the night feel it has. Uh, like, I never came as a very, like, very simple, and it's not afraid to get a little bit more, uh, uh, it's not aggressive the whole time. Yeah. It can be a little bit, not lighthearted, but it can come up for air with stuff like I Never Came, which is about I didn't come while having sex, which is what that song is about. I remember, yeah. But, uh, like, Tangle Up and Played is super sexy, like, literally one of my go-tos. That's a hot album. It's a hot it's album. It's a fucking, and I keep using the word sexy. I'm so sorry. No, don't be. It's a sexy, I mean, I mean, there's some things that are just inherently sexy just by feeling, you know? It, it just has a way of, like, I don't know how to even have that oomph. It just really fucking stretches a lot of these guitar strings. Oh. Please check them out. Someone's in the Wolf is on this album, which is my favorite Queens of the Stone Age track. So, I guess uh, uh, I guess my uh, my uh, I guess uh, my last album, it's an abstract track with sound effects and <laughs> and there's barely any real rhythmic verses and stuff. It's just really neat. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> it has rhythmic verses. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, so, uh, I guess uh, my last album for my list is I'm going to talk about the Proto Men. Act two, the father of death. Ooh, wow. I should have saw this fucking coming. Wait, was... why this? Oh, no, never mind. I know why this. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, uh, backstory with the Proto Men, they're, uh, uh, they're like a, a synth heavy rock band that uses themes from Mega Man and other 80s uh, uh, movies like Streets of Fire and Terminator and all that stuff. Right. Uh, the album art cover is actually uh, a homage to the art cover, the poster art cover for uh, Streets of Fire. Mm-hmm. 
So the album is uh, basically like a synth rock album. It's basically about the prequel to uh, Mega Man in this weird dystopian future. It's about how like Wiley and Dr. Light were once friends. They, they you know, they build, ro- they try to build robots to help, you know, betterment mankind so they don't have to do the dirty jobs. So that way people could just like live in safe. Like this is if you made the Mega Man movie. Yeah. This is like the, a story per- you'd probably follow. Oh yeah, the, the, exactly. <laughs> so, so, so it's very like 1984 Aurelian. So everything's like super like futuristic. Uh-huh. And then, you know, then I mean, spoiler, spoiler for the album. Uh, Wiley portrays Doctor Light. What? Yeah. But he's so trustworthy. I know. Doctor Wiley. The, right. Damn. And uh, and then then for like the second half of the album, we follow Doctor Light, who's on the run from a government controlled by Doctor Wiley. Which song has my favorite? You know my favorite song of theirs. <laughs> the it, the dogs, the hounds. Oh, that's yeah, that's the hound. The Hound, yeah, then that's, that's on that's, one? That's, that's uh, Act 2. Act 2. That, Bro, that they know how to fucking... That, that's the moment of the story where uh, Wiley declared that Thomas Light is a criminal and he murdered, uh, at the time, his his wife. So like, But earlier, Wiley actually murdered her and framed Light. So earlier I mentioned Razia Shadow and, and making a play. They could totally do that too. Oh, no. They, 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 like, al- they already <laughs> made a musical for Terminator 2. What? That's on Spotify. It's called it's a it's a Shakespearean version of Terminator 2 called Terminator the Second. Okay, I'm also just gonna vouch for Proto Men. They're they're an extremely fucking good band. Oh, they, they're great. Like I saw them live and I and that was like a religious experience. They they did like the cover up albums are really oh, good. Oh yeah, the, uh, all those eighties hits. He do, they do like they do covers of eighties hits, but this guy has the closest Freddie Mercury impression I've ever fucking heard. Oh, you're talking about Raul Panther the third? I yes. Mr. Panther the Third has a fucking they, fantastic they, Mercury voice. They all have great names. They all have great characters because they're all supposed to be like because the the whole like idea of the band is that they're uh, they're characters in the Mega Man story, but they're side characters. Uh huh. So they're just watching the events fo- told uh, happening in front of them, and they're just telling it for the next generation. That's the story of the Proto Men. That's very similar to another artist that I'm gonna bring up, but. Finish off on Proto Man. So I, so if you like '80s synth heavy rock with a science fiction story about betrayal, love, death, and just all around just kick assery, check out Act Two: The Father of Death. If you like Coheed and Cambria, <laughs> I like Coheed and Cambria. <laughs> but like the stories, and you want the story to be a little bit easier to follow. And you want to play some video games? Yeah, and the, you like, bro? Where is like I don't know? Where's Capcom with the with the Proto Man? You know, where's Cap- my Stars team like album where they make an album? But no, never mind. That sounds cringy as fuck. Funny I don't enough, uh, the, the 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 other Mega Man band, the Megas, they have a Castlevania uh, version of that same group called the Dude, Belmonts. I was gonna say Castlevania would work really well actually. The, it, it, the album's okay. But by they're the not way, the Proto Men. By the way, just so you know, um, Silent Hill Two does have a rap album. It is on YouTube. I I don't... best concept album. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about the emotional backstory of the Silent Hill Two rap album. Uh, it was written <laughs> by. Uh, DJ- moving on. Let's not get into that. So my last album. Well, let's uh, let me do some honorable mentions really quick. Okay. I just have two, and I'm just gonna lightning round. Go for it. Honorable mentions are just really quick. So. My first honorable mention is Second Persons, The Elements. 
Uh, basically, the album is just like, I think, four or five songs that are all based on the original elements. Wood, metal, fire, water. So four. <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? And they do songs based around that theming. And yeah. my other honorable mention is My Chemical Romance is The Black Parade. <laughs> I know. I'm cringing. N- shut the fuck up, Vinny. You know how I feel. Shut the fuck up. When I was... <laughs> when I was a young boy, I felt inspired. Black Parade was a fucking call to action. Let me tell you how, how it felt going to high school with this guy. Shut the fuck up, <laughs> Let me <laughs> tell you about going to high school with this guy. I've known this guy for 15 years. This guy doesn't know any shade lighter than black. Never. <laughs> My whole wardrobe, even now, even right the second I'm wearing all black. His I boxers... Mean- Primarily black with a slight shade of red. Black is my color. You have to understand. Like I, I look good in black. I'm just saying. Even I mean, when, you know, say this. I'm also wearing primarily black too. So you shut the fuck up right now. <laughs> Either way, I, it, it huh. Now you make me feel like I want to pick it as something to talk about, but I can't. Just, just, just say fuck you, Vinny. So my next pick is My Chemical Romance is the Black Parade. You want to know why it was a call to action, and you know what? It was basically uh, a voice for the voiceless in a weird way. Yes, we were all just young teenagers in school making mountains out of molehills and shit, but you know what, dude? My Chemical Romance showed us that there was sort of like a, I don't know, a world for people that didn't 100% conform and i know how that fucking sounds i, I, I did like teenager uh oh yeah fucking I, I, I scare the hell out of me i like teenager mother was good house of wolves I, wait you brought a mother yeah oh, i love you mother was my favorite I, track I, that, on that, that album. was my, that that and uh teenager were my favorite tracks of that album even though i was bashing on it we all listened to it in high school dude like you're gonna act like it wasn't an amazing album though like uh, but, but but i know the songs so you can't hate me on because you, you can't be like you know i know what you're talking about i guess so but i'm just saying like <laughs> there was a lot of fucking songs uh mother fuck. was great teenager was great which what one was, was the one that uh but who wears your heart oh oh fuck what was that i got you hold on you're gonna i'm sorry audience i need a famous last words um, the, this album's an S rank album, words. by the way. It's fucking fantastic. There's not one bad track on. I mean, here. it's a good. It's a it, you know, how cringy it is is a great album. Like it, it's it's solid. It follows the same theme. It, you, you say cringe, I say earnesty. God damn it! The Black Parade was a fucking movement, dude. It it, it was just like you could just unabashedly be yourself. Do yeah, it. I, well, and and the theme of it was a parade. They were leading the. I don't want to say like the freaks, but it was leading the outcasts. But it looks like they're. But but at the same time, I I jokingly always thought that they were like they were singing songs about like uh, unconforming, but at the same time conforming people to the same look. I the thing is there isn't a track about not looking like everyone else. There is an idea that you should just do what you feel is right or not even what you feel is right. Just do what like appeals to you and like that doesn't hurt anyone like like that's the spirit of fucking goth and punk just like being yourself. That's the whole idea of it. There's not one thing that says like pop people are scary. It's teenagers. Everyone, every teenager yeah. is scary. You know what I mean? They talk about a lot of stuff like, uh, I mean, societal expectations and whatnot. And I think it's part of it. It's just kind of like where, what to, 
how to interact with different societal pressures. This is how I disappear, wanting to disappear, just literally dying and what kind of what kind of things would come across that. Because you have to think of it this way, Vinny. My chemical this is my chemical romance off the heels of Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, which is like the emo fucking uh uh I don't know, I don't want to say catalyst, but it sort of was where I no, I have, I know the goddamn, t the, the, the Cure fans are going to fucking slap me in the face. Look, a broader resurgence of emo, because there was definitely emo in the fucking late 70s and 80s. It was there. Uh, yeah, of course. But, but at the early 2000s? Was a giant resurgence in emo. It was like, it was like someone poured a bucket of black paint with white highlights over the world. <laughs> with white face paint yeah. and, and like little, and eyeliner. Platinum hair. Oh my God. Dude, what an age. What an age and to I was live just through. Like, I've, what? I'm going to tell my grandkids about the emos. I can't wait. I can't wait until all these old pe people get like super old and geriatric. They try to tell their grandkids about, you know, back in the day. That's what I'm saying. Back in the day, when I was a yeah, young, young boy. Yes, Grandpa, we get it. You my, were a young boy. I mean, funny enough, my mom actually does love the title track. It, okay. That, Welcome to the Black Parade is fantastic. It, it is iconic. But remember, I'm trying to say that they were off the heels of Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Yeah. And Gerard Way has never been like... Oh, yeah, I promote hurting yourself. Never once. Oh, yeah. That has been a culture built around My Chemical Romance. And they say it in Three Cheers for Re Sweet Revenge. They mention razors and stuff like that from the razor to the rosary or whatever. But I, this album, I think, was supposed to be a thing like, yeah, you're depressed, but just own it. Yeah. Just live it then. Yeah. Don't even, don't bother. And then, of course, telling someone not to self-harm is a whole other situation. But, like, this is a way, just feel free with who you are. Yeah. And I really did like the Black Parade. Thank you for elevating this from a, a uh, honorable mention to a pick, because it deserves it. You're welcome. I'm glad to help. Do you have one, or should I just jump into my last one? Jump, jump to your last one. Okay. So my last <laughs> thank you. I'm sorry. No, don't be. I mean, I, I, never, I never said it was a bad album. I just, you know. Cancer, cancer can make me cry. Yeah. The, well, yes, in real life, but in the song "Cancer," yeah, no, it is a really emotional song. Anyway, uh, my last pick. Oh, and I'm gonna try my hardest not to talk too much about this. Uh, is the Deer Hunters color spectrum? We could both talk about this. Yes, because you also love this album, but not to be that guy. But this is your most favorite, album. without a doubt, and has been for years, my favorite album of all time. Oh, this is a big fucking pick for me because I don't say that lightly. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I love the fact that you like it because if it was like, eh, it's OK, I would not understand you. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I do. Like, we're, we're gonna, I'm going to mention what parts I like about it. So, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you what the concept is for the color spectrum. The <laughs> color spectrum is literally what it is. It is four songs per primary color of the color spectrum. Yeah. Okay. So this includes red, orange, green, blue, sorry, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, white. Oh, and I forgot black in the beginning. My yeah. apologies. So like it goes from black to white following the entire rainbow and each and each one gets four songs. Yeah. And it's so simplistic with its concept, but it as okay. 
I don't want to be that guy, but do you know what? Like synesthesia is a thing where like you experience like, oh, I listen to this song. I get a yellow vibe from it. Yeah, no, I mean, well, certain emotions, you know, kind of compare with certain colors. Right. Red with anger, you know. Right. Uh, <laughs> black with hopelessness, white with hope, you uh-huh. know, you know with, this, with, with a feeling of God, you know, like, it's great. I, I love hearing you talk about it because you're absolutely right. Yeah, because I know the color spectrum. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I don't. I'm not suggesting you don't. I just. I no, want. No, I'm just. I'm, I'm helping you. Like, you know. yeah. I'm just emphasizing that with such a simplistic premise, Casey Crescenzo, as I mentioned him earlier before in the Razia Shadow um, pick, he put this album together, and it really feels like he had these thoughts like this feels like a green song this feels like but each each ep because it's a series of eps it's not really an album yeah it's very strange each color is an ep but all together make the color spectrum the complete collection album yeah huh anyway so to get into it really quick it starts out with black, and it's it's a very, as you said, hopeless. It feels very cold. Bleak. There's, there's a bleak aspect to it. It's very, uh, there's a lot of electronic parts to it. Oh, yeah. I personally did not like the way it started with, with like, when I first started hearing it, there's a prog guitar segment. Oh. oh. In in uh, Never Forgive, Never Forget. I love that song. I don't like the... It's, prog does this all the fucking time, and I find that it breaks flow, and I get what the point is. And usually in prog, it's... I get it. Totally. But... I felt like it distracted, but in this album, because it's already distorted with all those factory sound effects, it works. Oh, yeah. So, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to... See, I, I could do this for every track. Yeah, no, no. I and mean, I'm not going to do it for every track. The whole album has a whole flow. And, and just to say some of my favorites, I love Red. Red is my, one of my go-tos. I love Curse of Cynicism. Uh, oh, Cynicism. We got a score to settle. That's is, a good one. We got a score to settle is the showcase of Casey Crescenzo's vocals. Like, try to sing that song. It is fucking hard. Uh, Deny It All is catchy as fuck. Oh, my God. Orange. I'm so sorry. I'm going to go through it really fast. I oh, we got a score to settle from Orange. Great no, song. No, no, that's red. That's red. Ah, damn. No, no. I'm not talking about... Uh, uh, what's that song? Like Did, no, go ahead. Do I will let you look because fuck it, man. Red is right here. Red Stuck is these. On a wire out of the fence. That's orange. That's that's the one song I really like. That is okay. So orange has this fucking upbeat kind of vibe to it when it starts it's out stu- with echo and stuck uh, on a wire out on a fence. And I love that song. The way it tra- oh, I'm not gonna go track by track. I'm so sorry. I keep wanting to do it. It goes from bleak to angry. To, yeah, well, fuck it, you know, fuck it. I can just do whatever with orange. Then it gets into uplifting with yellow. Then it gets into earnesty with green. Which is my most favorite of the color spectrum. Which, to be honest, that's a connoisseur fucking pick. That's, I love it. Because that is when he goes to pure, just acoustic, acoustic, heart, earthy tones. There's country elements to it. Uh, the I, canopy is so, so sweet. Oh, uh, I'm gonna I fucking cry. cry. Jesus Christ! All right. Anyway, uh, yes. So you get to this very earnesty, oh. introspective. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I just thought of something. I I realize I skipped misplaced devotion in yellow. What? Like I. Oh, oh. Uh, if you'd like, if you could return with two. That don't starve. 
Okay, you need to return with me on an episode so we can go through to this. To the color spectrum. To yeah, actually do yeah. it, because we're going to go too much into it. Uh, the Mr. Malum from the... Stop! Stop! You're going too cool. Okay, I'll get... You, okay. Too cool? Fuck! I'm sorry, audience. I'm, like, flipping out like an idiot. It's such a great album. I have the vinyl to this, and each vinyl is the different color. Yeah. Just so cool. Anyway, so, moving on. It goes from green earnesty to self-reflection to a cert- sort of, like... Uh, longing sadness with blue. Then it goes into indigo, which is all esoteric electronic. Oh yeah. And then it circles into class and style with violet, where you collect yourself. And then to bring it all home with white, and white just fills you with hope. So you go through this cycle of emotion straight from bad. All the way round to hopeful again. Like, good. And you could just start it all over and circle it over and over again. And that is The Color Spectrum. I love The Color Spectrum. That's I, such a I, great album. I can literally jump. I personally use music as a way to reinforce my emotions and the way I'm feeling. There's a lot of escapism in some parts too. But I can go to this album, find a track for any mood I'm in. Oh, yeah. Any mood. And find a way for it to lead into me being happy with White. Uh, it's it's definitely Casey's Crescenzo's definitely uh, biggest album. I call it his magnum a, opus. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's, it, by scope, by genre, by just scale alone. You know, just it's it has everything. And and because it's born of this concept with the colors, it gives him simultaneously a good framework and a lot of room. Oh like, yeah. What's green? He thinks, I don't know, earthy, so I'll use acoustic and stuff like that. It's there's a unity in the separation. And like this isn't his first foray, a foray into fucking concept albums. People scream at him for the acts because he does he has a series of albums, act 1, 2, 3, 4 and 5. Yeah. And it's a story, much like, you know, as we mentioned before, Proto Man or Coheed and Cambria, where there is an overarching yeah. narrative. But in my opinion, despite everyone loving those albums, his best album is The Color Spectrum. I agree. It is, it just has so much more of an emotional scope for me. Migrant's a close second. Oh, fuck you know migrant is a very underappreciated I, album. I like migrant like it doesn't have the same driving force but it has the but same, it has something but I, I feel like it's a good follow-up to color spectrum did i mention this is deer hunter d-e-a-r yeah because i know i said casey crescenzo a bunch but I, yeah i mean that's that's because to us we know who yeah know. but uh yeah though no, this is the deer hunter the color spectrum if you're if you're in a mood any mood you can dip into any part of this album and come out feeling kind of uplifted yeah <sighs> you definitely feel like you moved on. And much like this album, I feel like I got really uplifted talking about these albums. Me too. So thank you again for, for A, coming up with this idea, and B, coming on the show and talking with us and the other freaks about, you know what, music for fucking once. Yeah, thank you. I'm really happy to be here, and I will definitely will come back. We'll, we'll jam some more. We'll talk about color spectrum more depthly, because we'll definitely go deep into that. Absolutely. You know what? I'm just going to have to figure out more ways to make sure the dude and Dr. Root aren't here. Maybe I, I, I could just keep them somewhere. Maybe. I, honestly, I'm not saying hire an assassin, but, <laughs> but, 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 but. Hire a mercenary. Huh. <laughs> mm, that's, that's an different. idea. Assassin's illegal. Mercenary is an occupation. You hear that, Doctor Rude and dude? Keep a keep a, a look over your shoulder. Make sure your windows are locked. All right, you're gonna you're about to go on vacation you're permanently. Right. <laughs>
See you later. Oh, wait, wait. Just kidding. Before we go, we got to do our shout outs. Hold up. So, I would like to bring these shout-outs, put extra special shout-outs to the Hunt Boys, Justin, Scott, Jeff, and Frothy. And also, extra special uh, shout-outs and loving embrace to Cheyenne. Um, also, I'm going to go ahead and shout-out Paul Fusick, Nicholas Uritic, uh, Samuel Torres, Oscar Ortiz. Also, you know, Robot Stone Age, Cody, CJ, Kehlani. Um, oh, I, I love those guys. They are literally badasses. You I, should get to actually. No, you do know them. Yeah, I'm. Uh, uh, I'm gonna be meeting with them soon. By yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. Go, tease that shit. Uh, I mean, I I don't know how much I can say because I don't know how much they you oh, know, announced. You do have a confidentiality clause. I understand. Yeah. So, uh, but I'll say is uh, keep in touch with the robots don't age guys, and uh, who knows? Yeah. I mean, honestly, we're gonna we're gonna get to your Twitter, but you are very active on the Twitter, so keep oh, an eye yeah. out. You guys gotta follow me. Yeah. Uh, but hold on, wait. Let me finish the shoutouts. So I got um, I got Von Condersmite, Beefy Sumo, Love Ya, Squinty, Screechy Kai, Julian the Czar, Megan Peepo, Crows of the Damned, uh, Lindsay Misleading. Izumi Chenmaru, by the way, Lindsay, I know you loved my fucking last segment on Color Spectrum. <laughs> she also is obsessed with that album. I mean, I, I, honestly, at this point, everybody should be. I think so, too. So, after that, uh, <laughs> we're very Chen biased people. <laughs> <laughs> no, bias? Me? Bone bias? I don't think so. Uh, Azumi Chenmaru, CJ the DJ, Boogle, Burnsy, thank y'all so much for listening. Uh, where can they find you, uh, Leisurely Vinny? The world can find me on Twitter at Leisurely Vinny, where uh, you can talk to me about science fiction films, uh, music, and just on and all, just have a good time. Yeah, I mean, he's he's really, he is super active and, like, good at discussing on Twitter. I spend, like, 50 minutes writing out my tweets, and, like, you're just so natural with it. I have oh, no yeah. idea how. I, honestly, I don't even think about what I say. I just kind of put it out there. I just kind of hope it just doesn't blow up in my face. And that's why you should follow him. Yeah. To watch woo. that train about to derail. Okay. I, honestly, that's kind of the best part sometimes. When you're, like, you're the person deciding you're watching this train just about to just blow up. With with because something silly like a little rock on the road. Exactly, just slide right off because of just a random leaf on the track. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you can contact me at Bone King TV on Twitter, or you can check me out on Twitch at Bone King TV. Um, you can also talk to us as a collective hive mind at Fan Freaks on Twitter. And uh, just want to say thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Now go on out there and listen to some concept albums. Bye. <laughs>